everybody, and welcome back to the Fantasy Front Office Podcast, episode 13, for the week of June 26, 2017. With me in the front office is Phil, Keith, and Todd. Well, hello, hello, hello. Did I blow your eardrums this week? <laughs> All right, well, we are going to kick it off with uh, a hot topic, and actually one that's going to be pretty interesting. Let's see how this goes. Keith, intro us with this redraft idea. All right, so what we're going to do today is kind of something, uh, something we haven't done before. We're going to try and just redraft as it was today for rest of season. So we're going to draft a total of 16 picks. We're going to do it just like you would in a snake draft. You know, there's four of us. We're all going to get four picks. We're going to draft as it was a Roto League rest of the season. So we're going to give this a try. Um, the first pick, just to kind of go through the order here, Todd's got the first overall pick and it's got Jeremy and then Phil and then myself. So kick us off, Todd. You're on the clock. You got the first pick overall rest of season Roto. Who are you taking? All right. With the first pick of the episode 13 fantasy front office draft, I will select Paul Goldschmidt. Homer. <clears throat> <laughs> All right, so we got Goldie off the board, number I mean, one overall. He, and he's done, you know, number one overall for the league as well, so I think that's appropriate. Yeah. A pretty easy pick. Safe pick there. Definitely a safe pick. All right, who do we have? Uh, Jeremy, you're on the clock, man. Who's your uh, your number two pick going to be? I don't even need to think on this. This is Mike Trout. He's back in a week and a half, two weeks. Definitely Mike Trout. All right, I like that. I dig it. I am going to go uh, Charlie Blackman. Wow. Okay. Why, why Blackman here over guys like Mookie or Altuve? Truthfully, the Coors, uh, Coors effect is one big thing. Um, Altuve had one power year. Um, you kind of say the same thing about Charlie Blackman, but it just seems like that he's a you know similar overall skill set um, from the outfield, outfield position and, and this being a Roto League, five outfielders, I wanted to grab one early. Definitely. All right. That puts me uh, on the clock here with picks number four and five. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Mookie Betts and Bryce Harper. Give myself uh, a good core Ouch. power speed and take those two right off the board for you guys. Any uh, any comments there? Pretty much did exactly what I was thinking is just go yeah, outfielder. Exactly. Be early. Yeah. There's not there's not that many outfielders late in a five uh, outfielder league. So. And, and truth be told, I was actually planning on taking Blackman if he was available with one of my two picks. So I definitely agree with what you did there, Phil. I think Blackman would have been you know easily one of my picks either there at uh, at four or five. So. Phil, you cool. are on the clock. Pick number All six. All right. I am going to go with uh, the big boy, Clayton Kershaw. Taking a, the first pitcher off the board. Yeah. All right, so I got back-to-back picks, right? Uh, I got one first. Oh. Uh, we're going to go Sale. Nice little starting pitcher run right here. So why, and I have to ask, why Kershaw over Sale right now? I know Kershaw is Kershaw, but if you look at the numbers, Kershaw's FIP is not very good compared to his ERA, and Sale's striking out quite a bit more batters than he is. Kershaw's Kershaw number one, and then number two, um, the AL East is, is a much tougher division, in my opinion. So, um, I mean, you're not facing the Padres in the AL least as often as what Kershaw is going to and you're not pitching in a ballpark that's like Dodger Stadium. Yeah, but he also is pitching against two of the best offenses in baseball or three of the best offenses in baseball and he's pitching at Coors and at Chase pretty often. So I think, I guess my opinion is that the NL West is a tougher division to pitch in than the AL East and I know that's an unpopular opinion I don't have a whole lot of facts to back it up but just look at run production, look at how tough that division is right now. Even with facing the pitcher, I think it's not a place where you know, a lot of people want to pitch. I'm, I'm not saying I wouldn't have taken Kershaw. I just think that uh, it's definitely something to kind of discuss for this season. 
Well, yeah, I mean, we... not, not to go on a tangent, but like all of the outfield or all of the uh, ballparks in the AL East are, are, you know, tough ballparks for pitchers to pitch in. So um, at least there's two great ones to pitch in and one okay one to pitch in. Definitely. All, all right, right. So let me have back-to-back picks here with Todd. <clears throat> so I'll, be, I'll go with another five-tool player, Jose Altuve. All right. That's a pretty good pick there for pick number, uh, what is that? Eight. He's dropping kind of deep, yeah. Yeah. Didn't go that far in the beginning of the year, but I think that he's not doing what he was expected to do as much um, not as much power yeah all right you get one more pick there todd who's gonna be and then at nine with the, a lot of outfielders gone already and starting five in a roto league i'm gonna go with aaron judge going judge man early yeah it's hard to argue with that based on what he's <laughs> doing right now i think if if we were you know picking for first round next year i don't expect him maybe to go quite that early yeah but it's hard to argue with what he's doing right now picking uh, for rest of season all right so i think that puts uh jeremy on the clock that yep. does oh boy well <clears throat> This one's tough because, uh, of course, you got Manny Machado sitting there, but he's not been very productive this year. It's tempting because he's somewhat middle infield eligible, um, and and I can't pull the trigger on Trey Turner this high. Um, just based on power, I, I'd have to go with Chris Bryant. Yeah, I think he was picked, what, fourth overall at the beginning of the season. He's not having a bad year. Um, he's not having an incredible year. It seems like Chicago has been struggling as a whole offensively. Yeah, something definitely in the water. I... Um... Um, I agree, and I'm going to stack some Rockies, I guess, and I'm going to go with uh, good old Nolan Arenado. So far, it is tough to argue with argue with that pick. I wish he just would steal a few bases, and I know it's not really what he he does. But man, can you imagine just stacking ten or twelve stolen bases on top of what Arnado does? Yeah, that would be real fun. Goldschmidt numbers. They would look a lot like Goldschmidt. Right. All right. All right. So I think that comes to me, and I'm pretty happy that Scherzer dropped to me here at this spot because I think those three are arguably interchangeable rest of season. I'm gonna pick Max Scherzer here with my twelfth overall pick and then for number 13 I gotta think here a second so I have Machado on the board Lindor Turner Correa Correa Votto Donaldson Seager I already have outfield covered probably need to get there's a lot of picks here um, I think I'm going to go with Joey Votto. And I know first base is really deep. To be honest, my my pick was, and if we continue this draft, I would probably go Votto and then a shortstop, depending upon you know who fell to me, Machado, Correa, Seager, one of those guys, Lindor. Um, but we're not going to continue. So I'm going to go ahead and get my first base taken out of the way right now and pick up Joey Votto. Phil. Yeah, I, I think that I kind of had the same strategy as you. I was looking for a baseman, but I definitely don't want to take anything that's, you know, Rizzo or anything like that that was considered a first-round pick at the beginning of the year. Um, and I just took a third baseman, so Donaldson's out. I think I got to go shortstop. Uh, let's see. Correa or Seager? Correa or Seager? Let's go Seager. Right. Corey Seager. I thought you were going to go Snow with that pick. <laughs> <laughs> a little, little bit too early for that. If it was another couple of picks, I would definitely be taking Snow. So does that mean Seager went ahead of Machado, Lindor, Turner, and Correa? Yeah. He was the first shortstop off the board. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I, mean, I feel it's appropriate, obviously, since I'm the one that made the choice. So give someone else to talk. I, I think he's the best shortstop in baseball. And I know it's really tough. And you could probably make an argument for any one of those guys. But if I was in Phil's spot and I had to choose, I, I probably would have went Seager as well. And it just because Machado kind of scares me. 
Lindor's been up and down. I think my next pick after Seager, if he was off the board, would have been Carlos Correa. Do you guys kind of agree with that, or what's your, your thought process on shortstops as they come off the board? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that was obviously, you know, what I was debating in my head. And I was just thinking that at this point in the draft, I want uh, upside, but also a high floor. And Correa's, you know, uh, 2016 season just wasn't up to the hype. So I think that that's why I went Seager. Um, you know, he's he's one of those bats that just like Votto and, and maybe uh, Blackman, um, that he's just one of those bats that you can just kind of pencil in for um, exactly what you think he's going to do. And a lot of times he's going to do it. So. All right. So that leaves uh, Jeremy up with the next pick. Who are you Ooh. taking here, Jeremy? Oh, boy. Um, again, I got to go got to go middle infield. I feel better this time around, and I'll take Trey Turner. Trigger Trey. Interesting. So you're banking on the steals. Kinda. And also, multi-position eligibility, and it, it just fits. That way I don't have to worry about a lot later on. Alright, with the last pick in our uh, mock draft here, number 16, who are you taking there, Todd? Yeah, this is a good spot, I think, to grab a shortstop, and he's hit 290 over the last two weeks. I'm gonna roll the dice and take Manny Machado. Bounce back oh. second half. All right. He's, he's definitely hitting the ball really hard. It seems like some of his batted ball luck is is just that. It's, it's unlucky. You know, we talked about on earlier shows about his kind of swing and miss and how he's not doing what he normally does from uh, from a strikeout standpoint. But, man, when you're hitting the ball that hard, you know, good things are bound to happen. Look at Aaron Judge. Yeah. All right. So just to recap real quick, I'm going to buzz through the picks. And if anything stands out, uh, let me know. And then we'll just kind of talk about just what stood out. Um, so number one was Goldschmidt. Number two was Mike Trout. Number three was Charlie Blackman. Number four was Bryce Harper. Number five was Mookie Betts. Number six was Clayton Kershaw. Number seven, Chris Sale. Number eight, Jose Altuve. Number nine, Aaron Judge. Number 10, Chris Bryant, number 11, Nolan Arenado, number 12, Max Scherzer, 13, Joey Votto, 14, Corey Seager, 15, Trey Turner, and 16, Manny Machado. So the one big thing that I want to point out is that this is just for this year, and it's also, uh, you know, just for the rest of the year. So the stats that are already built in, throw those out. Um, but other than that, yeah. Awesome. Well, that was a lot of fun just kind of going through, doing a mock rest of season. We'll have to check back in on, on these guys and see how our teams kind of fare um, throughout. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to play this out or anything like that but just to check in to see uh which picks were busts and which uh, which are kind of flourishing the rest of the season so thanks for doing that guys sweet on to our next topic todd with the biggest deuces this year those who should be dropped <laughs> All right, so in this category, we're going to take some of the top 75 players, and we have the six or seven guys that have had pretty much the worst season of those available guys. I'll start off the hitters and ranked at number 42 to begin the season, Rognid Odor. He's hitting 210, only 12 homers, 31 RBIs, seven stolen bases. What do you guys think of Odor as a drop candidate? Well, the thing with Odor is he has been popping up the baseball more than anybody else. I think I, I checked in a few weeks ago. He had had like 16 or 18 infield pop-ups which is crazy. You know, one of the things that you could consider with that many pop-ups is maybe he's trying to convert to a fly ball revolution and he's not quite, uh, you know, connecting on, on the batted balls. Uh, maybe he's just pressing and, and trying to produce. Uh, but it, that's something that's been a, a definite problem of his. And his slug has been really disappointing. I mean, you expect him to slug a lot more than he is and he's just not putting it together so far. So um, for me, there's there's probably about 15 guys that I would rank over Odor rest of season. So somebody that on the right team, you know, shallow format, I'm definitely 
definitely looking to drop Odor. The only thing about Odor is, is that you drafted him for power and speed at second base, and he's still giving you power and speed at second base. He's just having a down batting average here uh, at 210. I mean, he's got 12 home runs and, and seven stolen bases so far this year. Um, rough projection for that's about 28 home runs uh, and maybe 15, uh, 17 stolen bases, something like that. Uh, that's definitely useful. Uh, I don't think I would be dropping him, but I certainly wouldn't be trying to uh, trade for him right now, you know, him hitting the way that he is. Yeah, 249 on base percentage is brutal. Uh, 12 walks on the season. But he's a guy, like uh, Phil said, he's getting his homers, he's getting some stolen bases, and that's what you drafted him as. So I wouldn't quite drop him yet, but he's the kind of guy you'd have to counter some high average bats. He is a, a low BABIP guy sitting at 238. Um, the thing that just kind of worries me is his OPS is 629. I mean, that's that good? that's not good. That's really, <laughs> really bad. Um, and part of that's driven by his inability to take walks. And like I said, his slug isn't as good as what maybe his home run production has been. So just not somebody that I'm overly excited about. But uh, you know, like you said, Phil, if you're drafting him for power and speed, he's still doing that, um, but just not at maybe the rate that you want him to. Right. All right. And our next name is Jonathan Villar for the Milwaukee Brewers. He will come off the DL Tuesday and he plays second, short, and third, but he's having a pretty rough season. With only six homers, does have 14 stolen bases, but a low batting average. And his OPS is nearly 200 points lower than it was last season. What do you guys think of Villar? I think that I was pumping him up as someone similar to Trey Turner, and I wasn't wrong about Trey Turner, but I was wrong about VR being similar to Trey Turner. Um, his batting average, I just expected it to be 260, 270, maybe a little bit higher. Um, you know, a lot more power that he showed last year. I expected to stay. Uh, then that has the speed is still there. He's got 14 stolen bases and only 225 at bats. But I just don't think you can trust him to not be a liability everywhere else. Um, and you know, he's got he's got multi-position eligibility. Before where you drafted him, uh, I I know I said this on the podcast already. I legitimately dropped him when I was arguing with my cousin, who's a co-owner with me uh and it, it doesn't feel bad anymore <laughs> to, to say that <laughs> and, and I, I thought that it, i thought that i was going to regret the decision because it was out of rage but it was actually a relief um that we didn't have to start him every game you know because when you drafted him you're going to want to start him and it, it's kind of hard to bench a player like that so it's, you know i think he's drop worth for sure part of what vr's value is was coming off of his 19 home runs he hit last year we talked about the slow start or you know whatever it is with the six home runs right now but those six home runs right now come at a home home run or fly ball rate close to 20 percent so i think what i'm saying is he's been pretty lucky in my opinion on the home runs to this point so i don't expect him to build on that rapidly his contacts an issue a 30 percent k rate you know you're you're paying for the steals you know he he gave them to you last year definitely in 62 but if he's not going to steal at the pace that he did last year he's tough to tough to own right now not not to mention that the brewers are really kind of bumping him down the order or even taking him out for sogard so yeah sogard believe it or not he's hitting 353 through 119 at bat so the sample size is good he's killing the ball they have Arcia at short and then Perez at third so playing time could become an issue if he comes back and struggles off the deal all right the next name I have is first baseman from the Boston Red Sox Hanley Ramirez uh, 10 homers on the season has been battling a shoulder injury all season that may be sapping some of his power does have a 340 on base percentage but is hitting around 240 this season what do you guys think of Hanley Ramirez I mean one good hot streak for you know a 15 day stretch and I think that he pretty much brings his number back in line where he wanted it to be uh, it's 
encouraging that his on-base percentage is close to 350 right now. Uh, I just I was never a fan of Hanley to begin with at first base, so uh, I never really you know took him too seriously. But I certainly wouldn't be dropping him at this point because, like I said, I mean one, one good hot streak and he's right back where you wanted to be. Um, who called it that Hanley was going to have a down year again? <laughs> was that you? Ah, uh, that would be me. I was huh. not a believer in Hanley without uh, David Ortiz in that lineup. And, you know, Big Poppy. Yeah, no, yeah. no, he's got holes in his swing. So uh, yeah, he'd be somebody I'd be looking to deal and find somebody who values him highly. Yeah, for I, me, I mean, Hanley's not, I wouldn't drop Hanley Ramirez, but his uh, the thing is too, first base is so deep. And he was scratched Monday of a knee injury. He was scratched three games last week with shoulder injury. So he's banged up for sure. In other news, <laughs> the sky is blue. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't see anything really glaring from, from Ramirez that's, that's jumping off the page. I mean, for somebody who has, you know, decent power, I still think he has decent power. You know, he can go on a stretch and hit seven home runs and, you know, 14 or 20 games and put him right back in pace for a decent season. He's not striking out very much, or at least for, for a guy who I think has decent power. He takes a few walks. Um, you know, nobody I'm really excited about. I did think coming into the season that, you know, he was a, a pretty good hitter. He's always been a terrible fielder, but he seems to to have always throughout his career been an been a above average hitter. And I thought that, you know, being a DH there uh, in that lineup that he would actually succeed. So um, unlike Jeremy, I did actually, you know, kind of buy into to Hanley this year. I don't have a lot of shares of him and I'm kind of glad based on what he's performed, but it wouldn't shock me if he comes out and, and you know kind of bounces back a little bit. Yeah, and just to note, preseason he was 58 in Yahoo, but 80 in ESPN. So a little bit of a difference there, but still a top seven, six round pick. So moving on, now we'll move on to pitchers. And one of the biggest, probably disappointments of the season has been Jake Arrieta. 4-6, uh, 4-3-6 ERA. He was ranked 37 ESPN before the season started, a little bit higher in Yahoo. And he currently only has, he's striking out about a guy in the inning, but the ERA has been high. Uh, what do you guys think of Jake Arrieta? He's been a guy the last couple of years that seemed to either have dominant stretches or just be mediocre for stretches. Um, and, and this is one of his mediocre stretches, and it's been going on most of the season. Uh, the past 30 days are a little bit more encouraging as ERA is you know, uh, 3.21, but he's not the dominant uh, right around two ERA guy that it made him a Cy Young uh, candidate. So it's kind of perplexing because he's not striking guys out like he was. Uh, I, I would probably try to get rid of him if I had him. And the, the tough thing for me is, and we've talked about it enough, everybody needs pitching right now. So if you own Jake Arrieta, you almost have to trade him for you know a starting pitcher that's overperforming you know, if you can get him. So is there any guys out there, Arrieta is universally owned, you know, one of the most owned pitchers on the ESPN leagues. Is there somebody that you would, you know, kind of sell low on Arietta and and buy high on somebody else that you believe in um, that's down below him? Maybe McCullers. If I could, I, if I could pull that trade off, I would. I would definitely do that as well. I actually pulled off a trade yesterday in a dynasty league where I traded Max Scherzer, a thirty-five dollar Max Scherzer, for a eight dollar McCullers. So I'm definitely in support of that. Anybody else you guys think of? Maybe I don't even know if they would do it, but Irvin Santana is a guy who now has two years of success but isn't a huge name. Maybe if you pull off Santana for Arietta. What about uh, what about Bumgarner? Would you guys trade Arietta for Bumgarner right now? In a, in a redraft league? Probably not. Like I said earlier in the year, that Bumgarner's shoulder, uh, I don't think that I'm going to trust it this year. I'm going to wait and see. Yeah, I'd probably still hold Arietta. Yeah, Interesting. It's, I would, it's yeah. a little difficult with Bumgarner. He just threw three innings uh, out here in Arizona over the weekend. Looked great, 88 to 91. Um, that would be tough, but I still hold on to Arietta and look for something with a little more upside, like maybe a Barreto or one of these hot young pitchers. Barrios. Barrios, that's it. Barreto's the batter. Gotcha. Yeah, if, yeah the shortstop. If Franklin Barreto starts throwing from the mound, 
He should be owned in all leagues. If he starts throwing darts out there and playing shortstop and hitting bombs, pick him up right now. He's going to be like that uh, the guy from Japan. What's his name? Oh, Godzilla? Oh. Is that what they call him? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, no they, he uh, won the MVP last year and the Cy Young, or yeah. they're equivalent to the Cy Young. Yeah. Uh, guy's a monster. Uh, Otani, that's it. Uh, yeah. Show you Otani, yeah. To, yeah, he's supposed to come over next year, which will be fun to see um, just how fantasy baseball allows that to happen. Because how are you going to get pitching stats and hitting stats from the same cat? But we'll figure it out. Yeah, I want to be in that league though. When, when we do figure it out, right? I think maybe we yeah. should uh, we should be in that league. Yeah, I mean, what do you bid on a guy like that in like a dynasty league? Eighty dollars because he's giving you double stats. Shoot. Yeah. Well, the problem with double stats him. is, do you have to take the stats from guys that are you know if Cueto's up there swinging away? Does that mean you get Cueto stats as well if you're going to get Otani's? See, but that's that. Therein lies the problem. Well, uh, it'd have gonna, to. I think he's going to break fantasy baseball. Right. It'd have to be across the board. So Bumgarner stats. Then you've got Arietta and all these. Free swinging pitchers, and probably you get a lot of the ugly with the good that you get from. Well, what you might have to do is if you put him as a starter, like a starting pitcher, then you only get his pitching stats. If you put him as like an outfielder, you only get his outfield stats. The, the other thing that you could do actually is on days that he starts, which means he's going to hit, and you know, assuming that they don't play him in the field or DH him. You could actually have him take the place of one of your other guys, other offensive guys, like your utility. So if you have, yeah. I don't know, like Joey Gallo in your utility, you could just sit Gallo and then place Otani as a starter and as a utility guy as far as the bat goes. I fully support any message where Joey Gallo is being <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you're starting Gallo, you're probably not a playoff team. You're not worried about that <laughs> too much. So. Yeah, I think I, I think I started Gallo today. What are you talking about? Oh, man. You probably had to because it was a or it's a Monday and nobody's playing. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I got a weekly league that uh, there's uh, I think three guys that are in my offense that are actually starting today. So that's kind of kind of rough to start the week off. Anyways, we got on a little right. tangent there, guys. <laughs> Back to the podcast. Uh, all right, so I have two more pitching names, and the first one I'll bring up is Justin Verlander. 87 innings, 86 strikeouts. So the strikeouts have been pretty solid, but it has a 4.5 ERA and a 1.45 WHIP. What do you guys think of Justin Verlander? I think my biggest problem with Verlander is his walks. I mean, he's yeah. striking he's striking guys out this year. He's doing everything he needs to do. The one thing that he's not doing is controlling the ball, where the ball goes other than when he's striking guys out. Uh, it's He's given up big flies because of it, and he's walking uh, guys at, at, I think, the highest rate of his career. Yeah, 4.5 walks per nine. That's, that's, that's rough. Yeah. As a, as a Verlander owner, I'm pretty frustrated. And, in fact, I just looked at what his last 30 days was. He's got a 1.54 whip the last 30 days. That's And, scary. and zero wins. Yeah, two quality starts. Doesn't look very good. I still think for him, though, what do you do? You can't sell Justin Verlander. I did earlier in the year, but it was <laughs> it, it was much earlier in the year, and, and I just saw the walks there, and I, it was concerning then, and Damn. it hasn't gone away. So, um, I don't know. I agree that you can't really sell him at this point, but uh, I, I wouldn't be You're not going to sell him and take, like, James Paxton or Jason Vargas or Garrett Cole or I guess you kind of could look at the McCullers deal. I would probably take McCullers, actually. But I, my point is, if you have Verlander, you're kind of stuck with him. I don't think you can... Maybe you could take Verlander and a bench bat and combo him and try and pick up somebody like Grinky or DeGrom or something like that to combo and get away from you know what the rest of his season may look like. But if you have starting pitcher, you need to kind of hold on to him, is my opinion. Well, yeah, he would uh, have to be a two-for-one trade candidate. Yeah. Uh, looking at this, the closest comparison is only owned in 30% of leagues, and you guys are not going to like the name at all. Uh, Trevor Bauer. Oof. 
near identical in innings pitched, hits, earned runs. Uh, Bauer has a third less walks, more strikeouts, more wins, slightly higher So you're saying, so you're saying Bauer's a better pitcher? Yeah. If Trevor Bauer has a third less walks than anyone, that's that's not good. No. Not, not great. Yeah. You're actually really upsetting me right now, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> you're in first place. It's all right. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, but that that would be your, your comp for the kind of season he's having right now. And yeah, that's not that's not good. And it's <laughs> that's been droppable. Uh, right, right. And that, that's my point though is you're but you can't you can't drop him. Obviously you can't drop him. You can try and deal him, but in most leagues he's not dealable. You would have to package him with somebody that's really doing well at the plate and sacrifice that to make an upgrade at starter is is probably your best bet. So whose starters that you would try and target above him to do a two for one trade for? I mean, you said Paxton. I think that that would be someone that I would consider at least because he's got the upside of an ace, but he's got the injury concerns and he's been struggling a little bit recently. Um, I really I think I think whenever it's somebody that like like Verlander, if you've had him all year and you've watched him struggle all year, I'd rather watch a new guy struggle than watch him just consistently burn you. I do like the Garrett Cole idea. I know that was brought up. Uh, four, he's a four one year A right now. He struggled a lot earlier on, but does have three straight starts of just one earned rest. So that'd be a guy maybe to target. Yeah, as I'm saying this, I'm considering uh, comboing him for a bat and and moving up. Although in that league that I own him, I don't really need another starting pitcher. So, <laughs> all right, so definitely something to keep an eye on there's as far as uh, as far as Berliner is concerned and then I have one last name for you guys Masashiro Tanaka uh, we talked about him a lot in the podcast this year but kind of just an update I guess right now 80, uh, 85 strikeouts and 84 innings he still has a 5 uh, 7 4 ERA so what would you guys do with Tanaka he's another guy that I sold literally the same day that I sold Verlander and I never felt better about any deals in, in the entire year because well maybe the VR one uh, that I dropped because it was just uh, and they were all in the same team around the same time frame and it was just like dead weight just being lifted and then I actually got assets back in return for all of them uh, except VR so uh, it was it was pretty fun um, but the thing about Tanaka is, is he's just so curious uh, of a case because he's just giving up home run after home run his strikeout to walk rate's great um, his whip the last uh, 30 days is 1.26 which is you know not great but uh, not terrible either uh, for the season his ERA is 574 and for the last 30 days it's 552 so uh, I don't know what you can do with him I think this is more of long lines of the case of what uh keith is talking about you can't really trade him because no one's going to really give you what you want for him and you can't really you know just drop him outright either so this now, is a Tana- hard hold yeah tanak is a guy that i actually am somewhat encouraged by if, if you look at and i took a little dive into him recently i guess maybe two weeks ago and a lot of his home runs do seem like a little bit unlucky he was actually trying to chase down the home run uh, yankee lead there from judge for a while and um, Judd's, you know, luckily has pulled away because Tanaka had like 21 home runs allowed. And I think Judge had 22 that he had hit. And since then, Judge has hit four. And I don't think Tanaka has allowed one. So um, good uh, good job there by Tanaka. If you look at what his last start was, I know it's one start, but it's pretty encouraging. Nine Ks, two walks, no earned runs, eight innings. He's got a decent K per nine in the last 30 days. He had that one big blow up. I think he's somebody who, you know, if you look forward and see what he could do the next little bit, he's got Chicago in a couple days and then Toronto. If he stretches a few, you know, good starts together, I'm going to be uh, buying in on Tanaka again. So, would you guys take Tanaka over Verlander? Oh yeah, I would. Yes. All right. Yeah, I'd probably agree with you guys there too. And that's, I think, a deal you could probably get done. I agree with that as well. It would take maybe a, a borderline, you know, waiver wire guy or a, you know, a, a fringy closer or fringy starter, bench bat, something like that. If you really had to, you know, throw it over, but I think that's a deal you could probably get done in, in a lot of leagues. Yeah, I agree. And that wraps up my segment. All right, so we are heading to the mailbag. I've got two. In- 
interesting questions here, not very specific, but for the for the duration of this question, we're going to narrow it down since we're all in the same league. On your roster, is there someone that you've held on too long because you traded for them? Well, I don't know if that's because I traded for them or not, but DJ LeMayhew has not been producing for my team what I anticipated that he would. And I guess he's still putting up okay numbers. He's hitting 304, which he's always going to hit for a good you know, batting average, but his home runs aren't quite where I would like them to be. Four steals, still giving okay run production and RBIs playing in one of the best offenses in baseball. But if you stack him up against the other second baseman, he's not quite producing what I expected. So um, LeMayhew is one for me. Yeah, I, oh, uh, I have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I would probably go with Jonathan Lucroy because he's his batting average has been pretty solid since I, I got him about mid-April. And his batting average has been solid, but there's just been no power. He's not driving a lot of runs. So he's been, I mean, it just he has not fully turned it around yet like I was hoping he would. Bill, what you got? So the one guy that I was going to say, I actually just looked at, and, and I guess I can't really say him because uh, it was going to be Yuli Gurriel. And he has been on fire so far this month. Uh, the last time I checked, he was batting maybe 240, 250. And now he's up to almost 280 so uh never mind i guess uh i don't really have <clears throat> excuse me i don't really have anyone in that league that uh i would drop maybe uh michael waka but <clears throat> excuse me he uh he just threw kind of a gem today so i think everyone else i was pretty comfortable with everything i've done so far you guys want me to say snow or something <laughs> <laughs> no um myself i oh man i made a deal i was hurting for pitching had excess bats and and I traded out Brandon Drury, who was kind of on a yeah, not-so-hot take. Uh, he could hit it home, but not on the road. I traded him for Derek Holland, who has proceeded to be highly bipolar in allowing six or more runs or allowing one or less in his four outings since I've got him. So he's the guy that I was tempted to drop this week, but I just couldn't bite the bullet on it. I'm usually someone that if I don't like a player, um, I have no problem cutting them. There's usually someone else on waivers that I like more. So um, typically, typically that's do what? Oh, Jonathan VR. Jonathan, v, Jonathan VR, I did find something better on waivers, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and this other question also comes in from William. Um, let's see. All right, what is one single stat that you put too much stock in? All right, so I'll, I'll start off there. The stat that I put too much stock in is strikeout rate. One of the things that I find myself doing is automatically writing off players based based on them striking out more than 25% of the time. And I still think there's guys like Judge, um, like Sano, that do strike out that much, but just based on the rest of their batted ball profile, their hard contact, their exit velocity, their launch angle, you know, their their ability to limit soft contact, all those things, you know, the ballparks they play in, the lineups they play in, that out overshadows, you know, their their strikeout rates. And, you know, Phil's been talking about it since the beginning of the year. We're in a different era of baseball where strikeouts aren't frowned upon the way they used to be the last decade or so. So that's a stat that I put, you know, for me, I put a little bit too much stock in. So I probably need to take a little bit deeper of a look. I think mine is going to be strikeout to walk ratio uh, for pitchers. Uh, something that's kind of my go-to 
too. Uh, at, a, at a quick glance, it kind of shows you who is throwing well, who's not throwing well. Uh, you can't you can't cheat on that one. I mean, either you're getting the strikeouts and you're not getting the walks, or you're not. So that's one that I think maybe I I'd hold too much weight in. For me, probably. I mean, still, if you go on ESPN, you look at the last 30 days. You know, sometimes a really low ERA will still get you, even though it's kind of a not the best way to judge a pitcher. But I mean, that's something that sometimes I'll pick up a guy who the ERA it's it's too good to become true, and then he ends up getting you in the end. But I still fall for that a lot. Well, I'd be looking case per nine with pitchers. Like you've got you've got the guys like uh, Trevor Bauer that are going to be way up there, and the rest of their stats can't hold that. It, it doesn't it doesn't make a decent enough balance to keep them on your roster. Um, Danny Danny Salazar is another good guy in that uh, corner. Right. And I'll give you a bonus one just because it's one that I'm I'm relying on less and less, and that's actually like some of the hard contact, soft contact things. It's just not to me as valuable as a stat as some of the other ones that you look at even like the plate discipline ones or the exit velocities i kind of look at hard contact and exit velocity side by side to try and see you know there are two relative stats um and i tend to rely more on exit velocity than i do hard contact because there's some kind of fluky things that can happen in there as far as the hard contact medium or soft contact all right that'll wrap up the mailbag this week on to our third and final topic phil with our hot waiver ads so uh, a couple of these guys, well, I think we've actually touched base on all of these guys already. Uh, I'm going to try to be brief with uh, with this topic. So uh, first one is going to be Keon Broxton. He's only 31% owned somehow, but the last 15 days has been on a tear. Uh, seven home runs, uh, three stolen bases, 354 average, and a 407 on base. I know the last 15 days is a small sample size, but uh, for the year, he does have 13 home runs and 13 stolen bases and a 250 batting average. He's basically a little bit more power and a little bit less stolen base uh, uh, Starling Marte. So uh, what do you guys think about Cam Broxton? Broxton got a lot of play coming into this season and I admittedly I didn't know enough about him to not like him yet. Um, the power speed is definitely there. Plays in Miller Park and you love that. The lineup is surprisingly good. He does have a little bit of playing time concerns and not not right now but I could see a scenario where he goes on another just abysmal stretch. Goes you know two for 36 and they start, you know, sitting him against, you know, platooning him or whatever the situation is where he just doesn't get everyday at bats. They have other guys they can do, you know, things they can do in the outfield there. But with that said, he's on pace right now for what, 25, 25. And I think the only thing that he's at risk for losing is that batting average. I, I could see, you know, their 25 point regression coming off 250 down to like 220 or 225. Yeah. For me, I've never been a huge Broxton fan, but he's definitely a guy right now that I would ride the hot streak out. Um, I could definitely see him down the stretch, you know, getting into a huge slump like Keith said but the power and stolen bases are there and if you have a guy who can steal bases and have power that's an awesome add especially in the outfield uh so Keon Broxton's a guy I would definitely add right now but you so know there's he, yeah he's owned in 31 percent of leagues and he's had a little bump recently do you guys think it's more likely that he is dropped in 15 percent of leagues in the next 30 days or added in another 15 percent of leagues in the next 30 days um I think it's more likely that he's dropped just because I don't think that it's very likely that 15 percent of leagues are to add him unless he continues the uh, hot streak he's on uh, but i think that's kind of unfair just because of the nature of how quickly people drop people yeah i guess i mean i the reason i asked is because i can see either scenario i could see him being the most added player and in, in leagues the next two weeks and i can also see him being the most dropped like that's how yeah. i think volatile he is at the plate and that stems from his strikeouts i think last time i checked he was had the highest strikeout rate in baseball above gallo above everybody 
So. Yeah, yeah. No, the well, thing is, is that he reminds me a lot of Carlos Gomez a couple of years ago, and that's that's something that if he that's can a really put good together, comp. yeah, if he puts together a full season and, and has you know keeps the batting average where it's at, maybe bumps it up a little bit to sixty ish. Uh, I can I can seriously envision a season where you know the next year he's maybe a third or fourth round pick because of it. Uh, so that's just you know my thoughts on Cam Broxton. Yeah, so much of his value, in my opinion, is wrapped up in the steals. If he can give you thirty plus steals, you know he's going to be relatively valuable the re- you know the rest of the season if he doesn't then he's a batting average liability you know the power is going to be somewhat fluky Miller Park helps that you know he's not really giving you the amount of RBIs that you want to see he's scoring a lot of runs but you know for me it's just he's he's worth a flyer if you need to hit a home run but if you need somebody that's going to be consistent and Bra- Broxton's probably not the good way to go I agree with that um, the next guy is kind of very similar to that actually uh, Bradley Zimmer I, I don't know what's going on with you guys obviously you're not listening because i've talked about him every <laughs> single prospect report i'm pretty sure and now he's actually up and contributing and no one's picking him up he's owned right now in about 13 percent of leagues which is just asinine to me guys batting almost 300 which you could probably see a little bit of his batting average regress but he does have four home runs and seven stolen bases since he came up in less than right at 100 at bats um you work that out over a full season typically you multiply it to maybe about five six hundred at bats um 20 home runs 35 stolen bases does that sound you know pretty good to you guys because that's basically what he's doing right now i I don't know why he's only 13 percent off pause the podcast go pick him up and now come back and we talk about inconsistency from broxton zimmer's a guy who i think is completely consistent you know we we've kind of gushed about him on the podcast he was my pick for uh, al mvp or al mvp al rookie of the year coming (laughs) into the season and uh you know so he's obviously somebody that i believe in his on-base percentage is going to keep him in the lineup his stellar defense is going to keep him in the lineup and if he's going to steal bases the pop is probably a little bit underrated I think he can actually you know hit a little bit more out than what uh, he gets credit for so he's somebody that I agree with Phil 100% he needs to be picked up in way more leagues than you know 18 or 20% of these I mean the powers the power speed combo that he uh, gives you it's, it's incredible I mean I I'd be all over Zimmer right now trying to add him he could be a guy at the end of the year who's 60 70% owned starting out pretty much zero yeah and and uh, unlike Cam Broxton he's a guy that does take a walk and and use utilizes you know his his wheels whenever he does he's got a really high stolen base percentage um, with those seven stolen bases I think he's only been caught one time so far so he's done very well uh, I, I I just am baffled why he's only uh, 13% owned right now. now now one thing I will quickly point out is it looks like the Indians are platooning him um, if you look at the last seven days they've sat him against the two lefties that they faced um, and they've put Austin Jackson in the lineup um, and he is hitting pretty far down in that lineup but I still like, I still think he needs to be owned in more leagues because his upside is is sky high I agree with that and same thing with this next guy uh, Franklin Barreto who we were talking about a little bit earlier accidentally um, he is a guy that he's a shortstop for Oakland um, he's going to get second base eligibility soon because that's where he's actually playing um, power and he's got a little bit of speed solid batting average um, he hit a home run his first game uh, he's also only 12 13 percent owned right now why are we not picking up a shortstop eligible uh middle infield eligible franklin barreto when he's you know a top prospect that's just skyrocketed up the minor league system i don't understand yeah his uh he's got a good uh fastball he pitches off that curveball every once in a while he uh oh wait um no yeah i'm sorry that's a different guy um no definitely he's got upside at shortstop and if you look at shortstop it's it's kind of ugly after you get past those 
you know, six or seven guys, you know, that uh, everybody loves. But after that, it's just kind of a, a mess. And so if you're looking for upside, he's definitely got it. And uh, all the smart things that Phil said. Yeah, of the available shortstops you can add right now, he's probably the best add off waivers. Uh, upside is tremendous. He does have that power. So I mean, he's a guy that of guys who are widely available at shortstop, I would still, I like Simmons a lot. If you can pick up Simmons, I would do that. But Barreto's right there too. All right. I, and to your point on that, I would go Barreto over Simmons just because of we've seen uh, Simmons be, as you said earlier, bipolar for you know lack of a better term. Uh, every year he does something different. It seems like one year he hits 20 home runs, the next year he steals 20 bases, and the next year he hits 300. None of them are in the same year. He's kind of putting together a good year this year, so maybe this is his first full year of doing that. Um, but I think Barreto can be that guy uh, right now uh, without you know having to worry about what is he going to be going forward. Um, now, Phil, you uh, followed him you know throughout the minors pretty well this season. What do you expect a realistic line for Barreto to be? You know in the last, let's say, 250 bats of the season or 300 bats of the season? You could see a 275 to 280 batting average, maybe a 260 to, or wait, 360 to 370-ish on base percentage and a 40 maybe slug. Um, so, I mean, those are going to be some pretty solid numbers from shortstop, uh, second base eligible guys. You think he's uh, double-digit home runs the rest of the season? Uh, I think he's got, yeah. I think he's got a chance at it, outside chance, but... <clears throat> I think that he's more of an overall player, like uh, like everyone thought. Jerickson Profar was going to be not not super elite, uh, you know, with uh, hitting or uh, power or uh, stolen bases or anything like that. But he just has a culmination of everything, and and he just puts together, and he, he just is a good player overall. One interesting thing that I'll say about him, and this is just complete speculation. I don't have any you know facts to back this up, but if you look at the A's offense, it's full of guys who have made adjustments to hit more fly balls of the season and if you look at the difference between you know the baseballs that are used in the minors and the baseballs that are used in the majors we're seeing all kinds of guys come up and have better power outputs than what they were doing in the minor leagues and that includes like the pcl and the atlantic league and other other leagues that have you know big power output i think i want to watch what his home run output is the first like 100 at bats and if he rattles off like four home runs five home runs in his first 100 bats i think i'm going to buy in quickly to maybe and also take a look at what his ground ball the fly ball rate is his uh, you know what his launch angle is because i could see a path where you know like jed lowry and like you know other guys in that lineup where they're hitting more fly balls and maybe that produces to some more home runs i would definitely welcome that as an added bonus <clears throat> now um most of the guys that i talked about well all the guys so far i talked about so far are hitters i wanted to fit a pitcher in um there's not that many on waivers that i just think have tremendous upside uh, but one that's 47 percent owned right now uh, jeff hoffman uh, i don't know why but he's been dropping 11 percent of leagues he had one bad outing out of you know he, i mean he got shelled let's be honest he he got destroyed but he does pitch in course so that's potentially going to happen every now and then and that arizona line up is just damn good i mean you guys see that day in and day out so uh, but the underlying stats for him are, are, are just great so i know that i literally just talked about overvaluing strikeout to walk ratio um but four <laughs> point four point seven five for the year i mean that's pretty good i mean uh, more than a strikeout per inning and a whip of 1.12 i think that era that's 4.29 is going to come back down to earth a little bit maybe end up about three five three seven five something like that uh, i just think that he's one of the guys that is available on on waivers that can give you um, top 30, maybe top 20 potential. Yeah, Colorado definitely seems to have figured something out as far as their starters go this year. And they have a bunch of young guys 
who appear to be, you know, overperforming. Hoffman's a top prospect, somebody you expect to pitch really well, maybe not pitch really well in Coors, but I think I in streaming leagues, I'd be targeting some of those starters away from Colorado because the talent is definitely there for those guys. I'm still weary about what they, you know, could do in, in Colorado just because that place is crazy, but no, they've obviously figured something out. Their pitchers are performing well. Hoffman's, you know, one of those great examples. Yeah, I agree with that point too. The, the Rockies' pitching has been very strong this year. Uh, Hoffman, the strikeouts are there. Um, you know, top prospect brought over in the Tulo trade. Uh, I like Hoffman a lot too. That's a guy, especially road starts. Um, this Friday, actually, he pitches in San Francisco, so that'd be a great time to use Hoffman off waivers. So. And, and San Francisco doesn't hit home runs. I think when I look today, they're worst in baseball by like eight or ten home runs. They've only hit like 70 on the season, which is like just a few more than Aaron Judge and Billinger combined. <laughs> That's just crazy to even think about. <laughs> All right, so that was uh, that was my entire list. Hope it helps you guys out for your weeks coming up. Excellent. Well, we have our predictions from last week. The roundup, uh, Todd, Keith, and myself get one point because all of our guys hit one home run. Uh, Phil Trumbo went over. Yes, I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> Bellinger, he went off for five of them last week, so just the one point to Keith, Todd, and myself. All right, stolen bases. This one was kind of lopsided the other direction. Uh, I had turned who had stole two. Keith had Blanco, which didn't steal any. And, oh no, Todd had Turner, stole two. I had Mabin, who stole two. But Phil had D. Gordon, who stole four and led the league last week. So he's got two points there. What? what? Um, and we've got hits. Todd's prediction of Mercer, my prediction of Blackman, and D. Gordon, everybody had six hits or less. Um, and Keith, his pick of Goldie, ended up with 10 hits. But the best of the week was actually Ender Inciarte with 12. So Keith will get the point. Updated leaderboard. Todd with 3. Phil with 7. Keith with 7. And myself with 6. So heading into this week. Home runs. Phil, who do you have? This week for home runs... Uh, let's go Trey Mancini. He's going to hit three of them. All right, Keith. Um, you might have to come back me on home runs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll skip you. I'm going to go, let's keep riding the hot bat. Bellinger, uh, we'll go with four this week. Todd? We'll go Aaron Judge at four. Judge, four. All right, Keith. I thought about picking Scooter Jeanette, but I, I, I kind of thought better of it. So I'm going to pick Giancarlo Stanton. All right, I think How that's many? a better pick. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with three. All right, three. All right, stolen bases. Phil, who do you have? Billy Hamilton's off the tables. Yes, for you and Keith. All right. Um, let's see. Trey Turner has been stealing some bases recently. Let's go with him. All right, how many? Uh, let's go with three also. All right, Keith. All right, I'm going to go with uh, Keon Broxton if he can get on base. <laughs> That'll be the caveat. All right, how many? Um, let's go with four. All right. Oof. This one could be tough. Uh, I'm going to go Gordon. See if he can keep the hot streak going with three. Alex Gord's bold, old yeah, prediction. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Todd. Um, let's go Cameron Maiden with four. All right. And who will lead us in hits, Phil? Joey Votto. He's going to have uh, 12. All right, Keith. I'm going to go Joe Maurer with 11. Wow. Ballsy move. I'm going Jose Ramirez with 12. All right, and Todd? I'll do Corey Dickerson with 12. All righty. Well, we will update that next week. So, guys, where can the people find your work? 
I am Phil, and I am at, uh, wow, at the Baseball Jedi. That's where I'm at. All right, this is Keith and Fantasy underscore Keith. Keep sending in those questions. We'll make sure to answer them on the mailbag. I'm happy to help you guys out in your leagues. And I'm Todd. You can find me at Goldie Happens. I am Jeremy at Front Office Jer. You can always find our work over at FanFrontOfficePodcast.com. And, of course, tweet at the show at FanFrontOffice. And until next week, have a week. All right.